This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. All righty, welcome to Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Hello. Mary Goulet. What's up, Richie Ote? Hey, hey, how's it going? All right, all right. And White White's holding it down the studio. Kenny Polker's got it under control back at headquarters. And we are hanging out with you here on this lovely Thursday. And I'm super excited. Uh, man, you know, you, you come across folks that uh, you want to sit down with and pick their brains. And uh, occasionally they actually say yes, which is uh, one of the cool things about having a, a show. Because you get some cool folks actually say yes. By the way, I was interviewed today uh, by a, uh, by a nine-year-old. Really? Mm-hmm. You know her. You know her. Oh, she had a birthday? Uh, our own Neva Lee Ruckley. Yeah, yep. That nice. was super cool. Yep. She has a, a show that is lots of fun. And oh, good. Gave me some Gave me an interesting perspective on, uh, on this whole world of podcasting and video and so on and so forth. So that was fun. That was good quality fun. And, uh, and someone who is definitely going to be able to help us uh, gain a, a really good understanding of this whole world of, of podcasting and marketing and branding and uh, and so on is uh, is our guest today, who is Senior Jeremy Ryan Slate, uh, also known uh, as an icon of influence. He was one of our icons at the New Media Summit back in September. And uh, Wade, go ahead and bring uh, Jeremy up just so we've got him there. But uh, Jeremy is, uh, as as I often say, once an icon, always an icon. So you uh, you're you're forever branded as a uh, as an icon of influence at this point. How does that feel? Hey, man, it feels great, and I'm, I'm stoked to be hanging out with the legendary Steve Olsher today. Uh, yeah, legendary Please how? don't do that. Yeah. We have to be in the room with him. <laughs> hey, have you seen the guy dance on stage? It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. and by the way, um, all of the moves that require, like, arm movement and those sort of things, I'm just going to kind of check that off of your list as not being able to do. Can you actually scratch your own head with those huge guns of yours, dude? <laughs> like, can, can, your, can your arms, like, literally, can you, can you, like, if you have an itch on your back, can you actually scratch it? Because you have, what, like, 18-inch? By, I mean, it's it's sick, dude. You're like a five foot, what six seven dude with like eighteen inch guns. It's it's pretty impressive. Or, or is it bigger than? It may actually be bigger. Are your arms bigger than eighteen inches? Uh, I don't think so. Now, like I can scratch my shoulders now, but let me tell you, Steve, I was a powerlifter in my early twenties. I did like competitions and stuff, and now I'm like five six and hundred seventy pounds, uh, around like ten percent body fat. At Ooh. that time, I was. Five six, two hundred and seventeen pounds at ten percent body fat. So then it was a lot tougher to touch my shoulders, man. Oh my god! And so I mean, that's interesting though because it's when when we sit down with people, what I always find interesting is the journey that they take to get to where they are now. And so you you've had a pretty interesting, pretty story journey, really. I mean, I don't think you saw yourself doing what you're doing now. I mean, if you would ask yourself ten years ago. Uh, hey, self, this is, you know, this is what you're going to be doing 10 years from now. What do you think? Well, uh, like, uh, tell me how it feels to be doing what you were doing now, given what you thought was going to be your career path and just take us a couple of steps back. Well, it's funny because I thought uh, now I'd actually be a tenured professor at a university. Um, I am not there at all, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting to look at it because my original degree was I have a degree in world religions. I studied literature um, at Oxford University and then got my master's in ancient history didn't get into the PhD program I wanted at NYU, and then ended up teaching high school. Went through a bunch of stuff before I ended up in podcasting, and it just it's kind of crazy, man, because I never saw myself being here. I, I failed a lot until I found something that worked. Yeah. And what do you, I mean, how would you define then what it is that you do now and what it is that you feel is working? 
I feel like now we're more like a like what I do is I'm a media influencer through podcasting and also I'm more on the PR side of things but with a podcasting mix. It's very hard to to put a real name to it. And that's why I like the name that you've used as new media. Cause I really think it's kind of the best way to describe it. Cause it's just, the world hasn't seen anything like it before. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's very, very different. And that's why a lot of entrepreneurs don't know quite know what to do with it yet. A lot of media sources don't know what to do with it yet. And they can't put the same type of uh, restrictions they do on like radio or TV or any of that. Cause it's just, it's just not the same, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's really, uh, and so there are people who will take, uh, let's just say they'll have a, a little problem with this statement in terms of it's kind of a new battleground, a new playing field because you got people who have been in this game of audio and podcasting specifically for a long time, right? I mean, this is not a new medium per se because it's been around arguably since the the 80s and uh, certainly a little bit more mainstream in the 90s and then for sure uh, across the turn of the millennium. But it seemed to pick up so much more momentum here after 2014, 15, 16, right in there. What? Why do you think this medium is seeing sort of this uh, resurgence? Because it, it has to be called a resurgence. I mean, it's been around a long time. So this this is a fairly new phenomenon as far as popularity goes. Why, why do you think that is? Well, I, I'll tell you what, man. I've been a listener since like 04, like when you like had to like really try to like listen to a podcast and nobody knew what they really were. And then you were right. Like there was kind of like this resurgence around like sometime after like 2012. And I think a lot of it actually has to do with smartphones mm-hmm. um, having to do with like especially to, uh, Apple putting everything in the iOS Basically, it became a lot more available to the consumer, and they can consume it in many different ways, places, shapes, forms. Because before, if I wanted to listen to a podcast, man, I had to be like really committed. I have to go into my iTunes. I'd have to download that thing. I'd have to hook up my uh, old school brick of an iPod, mm-hmm. drag it over there, mm-hmm. um, and then if I happen to turn off my iPod, lose my space in that podcast. So there's just way more frustration, and the advent of using things on mobile has made it way, way more available. And I, I think that's the cool thing, too, because just as somebody that you want to listen, you know, people to listen to you, your access to their time is a lot more than it ever was before. Like you hit them commuting, you hit them in all these different places because they don't have to do all those other steps of basically loading their MP3 and all that. Well, mm-hmm. and they could also, like you said, on their iPhone, let's say, they can be multitasking, working out at the gym, driving in the car. They, they just take everything with where they're, they're going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you're a part of their life, and and that's the crazy thing. I don't know if you guys are as much like podcast addicts as I am. Like, I'm literally always listening to something, and and I think that's really an interesting type of listener we're actually exposed to because I feel like a lot of podcast listeners are just like me. Um, if I can interject, normally I don't jump in. This is Wade. Um, we started. Wade to- controls the board, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know, I mean, like, like literally, he can do whatever. So he asks just to be polite. Yeah, basically. I mean, he doesn't. It's it's exactly. It's like asking for forgiveness versus permission. So uh, go go ahead, Wade. Please. I appreciate it. But uh, we started <laughs> actually in two thousand one, right? And what has to be wow. appreciated is back in that day we were streaming across fifty six k, right? Woo! So the listener. Live streaming was really a rarity as the cable modems that brought that out. Back in that day, the listener would typically 
download the file, you know, the podcast, the archive, after we did the live stream, because in Kansas they may not have been able to pick that up. And then they were actually burning it to CDs to mm. play in their car on their commute. Nice. <laughs> we You're, should find these people and have them do courses on patience. <laughs> right? Well, so I started, yeah. I started here in 2002, and we would take the four segments of the hour show, like you said, MP3s, basically. Yeah. We, we split them up to make them bite-sized. Oh, yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And we just called that archives, not podcasts. Right. We've been I, doing the same thing. It, it, let, let's, let's do this, though, because I don't want to get too deep into this conversation before folks have an understanding of why you were chosen as an icon of influence for the New Media Summit and what your area of expertise is. So you, you, I know you said you were listening to podcasts for quite some time, but you've had your own show for a number of years already. So what what is your show about? And then uh, I want to actually ask you about using it for marketing and branding because I know you think this is one of the best media to use insofar as uh, marketing and, and branding is concerned. So just g- give folks an understanding of what you're doing in the space. Absolutely. So um, November 20th of 2016, I launched Create Your Own Life. And that was actually my second attempt at a podcast. Um, Thank God you can't find my first attempt, which was called Rock Your Life. The, the Your wasn't even spelt right. It was U-R because somebody else already had that name. And it was like really, the, that first attempt was like really rough, man. You couldn't like hear anything. The audio, I, you know, Wade would have been in tears. Mm. So just it was not a very good show. And it didn't last long. It lasted about 30 days, but it was at least an attempt. Sure. And it was later on I decided, all right, well, how am I going to do this thing the right way? So I tried to really become a professional at it, learn a lot about audio, learn a lot about how to do a show correctly. And that's when I launched Create Your Own Life. But I also launched it from the viewpoint of who do I want to learn from. Mm-hmm. So I made a list of the top 100 people I most admired. And I actually spent like eight hours, Steve, writing them individual emails. And I got a high level of responses and booked quite a few people that I thought were totally unreachable in those first few days. And, you know, now we're 357, 58 episodes since that point. And it's just been incredible, some of the people I've been able to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I went from somebody that had no business to eventually building a six-figure business. And now, as I, I made a promise to my audience on New Year's Day of this year that I would only be interviewing people that had built million-dollar businesses because that's what I want to scale to and that's what I want to help them with as well. So I just think it's really interesting how this show kind of developed as I developed as well and a lot of the really, really awesome people I've gotten a chance to learn from. Mm-hmm. Now, thank you for, for providing a bit of that background there. And so what, what I want to just try to understand from your perspective is how you believe this medium helps folks build their brand and to get why, I guess the real question then is why, why consider having your own show? Well, there's, there's the, the first, the main thing is I started a podcast cause I hated blogging. So I wanted to have some form of content that I felt like was easier to do. And you know, I can talk forever, Steve. So I was like, all right, I'll, let me do that. And that's why that first show was horrible. Cause it was just me talking for 25, 30 minutes about, nothing I was really the expert on. So that's mm-hmm. when I became an interview show. And I was like, all right, let me interview experts and learn from them. And that really became my way to have my content hub. Because that's the biggest thing I teach people is you need to have some sort of central content source to what you're doing. Because if they do see you in media, if they do see you in press and they come back to your to your site or wherever it may be, like you have to look like some sort of an authority figure. And that's what talking to all these people does for you because it creates something called positioning, right? Um, like for me, it was a really big deal when I interviewed Grant Cardone and it really helped my brand because people saw Grant and saw me and it really helped my brand 
positioning is every time that you are seen against one of these experts, you know, your own credibility seems to go up. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really interesting. And it's an easier way to create content because you're actually learning from people that have, are the experts at it and at the same time becoming an expert, which is kind of cool as well. Mm-hmm. So l- let me ask you this because uh, let's just call it resurgence, right? So the resurgence and in interest in podcasting and the number of shows that are being put i mean i have peers who have put out shows who never had a show i mean i um, the first podcast i did was in 2009 so i've been dancing in the space for a while but mm, put it on hiatus came back over the last two and a half three years now been doing it pretty consistently and over the last six months or so as i've been talking to a number of my peers and just seeing others in the, in the general marketing branding type space i've seen a lot of people come to the table with shows who never had shows before so it's becoming increasingly crowded. If you don't have a platform like a mailing list or 3 million Facebook fans or something of that nature, getting found is is not so easy now. And still, when you compare it to the number of websites, it, it pales in comparison. I mean, 4 billion versus, you know, 40 to 50,000 active shows depending on the number that you you know that you look at. Obviously, there's a huge discrepancy there, but what would you tell someone who is looking to start a show in terms what? of what they need to do to actually have a chance at building an audience here and being found and actually making potentially a, a business of some sort out of this? Well, the, the first thing I'd, I'd figure out is why they're doing it, because a lot of people go into this because they're like, oh, I want to be famous. And it's like, well, that's great, but that's not really going to help anybody. So you really need to figure out what your unique angle of helping people is and honestly, I, I, I think it's a good idea if you're going to do an interview show, don't always go after the people that do the rounds because they're the ones that aren't going to help you know, share you out to their audience and things like that. Because honestly, if we don't have a big email list or don't have a lot of those things as podcasters, we're kind of at effect of people's whims to share with their audience. So that's one thing you really want to look at. And that's, that's something I actually did is I found a lot of experts that were people that were very well known but don't do a lot of podcasts. So I actually reached out to them. And I saw some of my biggest uh, booms and audience numbers from getting a lot of those people to share, but also approaching it like as a professional, like having good graphic design, having good written content, having um, a show that runs professionally, because there's a lot of shows out there, Steve, you see their covers and you kind of want to cry. So it's about really approaching this like a professional, having some sort of unique way to talk about what you're doing and speaking to people. Because I think just saying, oh, I'm unique because I'm a different person just is nowhere near enough. But you have to have some sort of unique way that nobody else is talking about because, you know, there, at this point, there's thousands of people that have tried to do the exact same show that John right, Lee Dumas let does. Me, let, me, let me back you up here for one second. So let, let me mm-hmm. just give, give us an yeah, example yeah. of someone who has done this well. Like, do you have an example uh, that you can share with us? Well, Lewis Howes would probably be the best example of that. Like, Lewis has interviewed a ton of people that don't do podcasts, Mm -hmm. and he's done it very, very professionally, does a great style of interview, um, whereas there's a lot of people that are overly scripted with their interviews, and that show is unlistenable for me. Like, if I listen to a show that Lewis does, I'm engaged, I'm interested, I can learn from the people that he's talking to, and nobody else is talking to those people. And that really, really makes an impact. Um, Like, for myself, I've actually managed to connect with celebrities through using IMDb Pro. Um, to kind of find people to talk to there as well. So mm-hmm. you want to talk to people that aren't doing as many of the rounds because you have more of a chance of actually getting seen. Yeah. So, Richie, were you going to say something? Yeah, I mean, very similar to what, what uh, Jeremy's saying there. Is you can just call him JR. Mr. <laughs> he, he, the only, I have a still a little bit of resentment because when you walked in the room, 
we, Steve, and every other man, man in there's looks just went down a yeah, little right. bit. Yeah, right. So, I, I went from a ten plus to like a, a sudden, nine. Like, I mean, God, uh, I'm not. Uh, I I'm went to seven. <laughs> but anyway, um, no. What I was saying is, is, is I have the same theory when you get around people that they they um, don't know what to make, but they have the audience, right? So they have the audience, but they don't know podcast. I mean, basically the same thing you said. They they have an audience. They have people that tune into them in their own particular show. Or so they've got the benefit what, of a platform, of a but platform. not. Yeah, but they they don't know podcasting. They hear of podcasting. A celebrity always wants more eyeballs and earbuds on them, so they'll gladly come on the show to get more exposure. Great idea with IMDb Pro. Like that's mm-hmm. awesome. Super smart. Yeah, I did, I think it's great because n- then. They want to be seen in a way, in a light that they've never been seen before. So they'll gladly share you with their audience. Whereas everybody mm-hmm. else is like, you know, potentially a podcaster might not even necessarily want you to share with another podcast because, like, they might start listening to their podcast instead. You know, mm-hmm. you know what? Though, let's go back to the very beginning. You were talking about radio metrics. And with podcasts, everybody claims, oh, I have this reach 30,000, 100,000, whatever it might be. But they're maybe not sharing their own interview to that reach. You're talking about the guests. The guests, yeah. yeah. And I don't – it's not a true science like radio metrics are. You know, if you have Nielsen ratings or whatever it is on radio. That's a guess, though. Nielsen is a guess. I mean, it's a good guess, but it's <laughs> still a guess. I love how she said it's science, though. That's like the red right. state coming science. there. With, okay, downloads, so, with downloads, it's an actual number. So we, we can actually show somebody a screenshot. But if it's a download, is it guaranteed they listen to the whole segment? Ooh, good point. Well, that's something Apple's actually trying to do now with this new like beta version that they've released of uh, Podcast Connect, but it's just not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, let's dance in a, in a different direction here. Uh, you had the – I just want to make sure that people understand that from a business perspective, one of the ways that you've monetized – what you're doing is helping people with the branding, helping people with their marketing, and specifically helping people to get onto other shows. Are, are you still doing that, or how are you monetizing your? Because I, I assume you look at podcasting from the standpoint of being lead generation and being able mm-hmm. to get people into your ecosystem, both as a guest and as a host. So then, how are you monetizing that visibility? Well, there's there's kind of two parts to that. We actually hooked up with a company called uh, Advertise Cast, and we have a couple really cool sponsors that we've gotten through that. So the show itself does make some revenue, which is awesome. But then um, we also launched a company uh, last year called Get Featured, which helped get people um, booked on podcasts, which we later rebranded uh, now as Command Your Brand Media. And that's kind of the main way that that I make money in my everyday life. That 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 is you know promoted by the podcast. So we. Mm-hmm help people put together, you know, all of their story, their funnels, all that kind of stuff, and then also help them get booked on the shows. So it's more than, I guess, just booking, but kind of like really helping them with the positioning and, and how, you know, they're going to rock and roll when they're a guest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally appreciate that. Are you, um, and, and again, this will take us down a, a rabbit hole here, and I'm, and if the answer is no, that, that's certainly fine. But I, I want to, I mean, you're, you're in your late 20s, early 30s, somewhere in there. Where, where are you at generally right now? I'll be 31 in May. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So, you know, it's interesting how, and this is reinvention radio, and you've had to reinvent your life, well, several times. And, and if you don't want to talk about this, it's fine. Uh, but if you do, that would be awesome because I think it'll provide some insight for folks in terms of 
uh, just being resilient. And do you, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened from from a partnership perspective? You don't have to go into detail, but I think that there are folks who feel like if something doesn't work out, that's kind of the end of them, right? Like mm-hmm. if I go into business and I try to do something and it doesn't work out, I'll, I'll never recover. Like I, I just, I won't take that risk. And you went into partnership with someone, right? And you don't have to go into detail on it, but let's just, I just want you to talk a little bit about it from that perspective in terms of how it got you to where you are now, because there's a story behind that that I think may be beneficial for folks to hear. Absolutely. Cause it's, it's, I, I, I got, I, I won't get too deep into it Steve, right. just cause I don't want to like defame anybody or anything yeah. like that. But like my partner and I just had very, very different, um, visions for where we really wanted things to go. And that was just um, so we're, just so we're clear, that was with the, with, with the get, Featured, featured right yeah okay right. so that was with that business where you were placing mm-hmm. people and doing the marketing and, and so on so you had an idea you found a partner you went into business you figured hey this is one of the ways that i can monetize my visibility i'm going to partner up with somebody and this is what's going to happen so please take it from there and we just we had really different visions for where we wanted things to go and you know i ended up uh you know doing a lot of the work myself wasn't very happy with the situation but i had kind of convinced myself well i kindly kind of finally figured things out so let's just deal with it and eventually i just had to look at it and be like well hey man like you know you're making money finally but like is this really like what you want to be doing with your life every day and when i looked at it i i was willing to take a hit to really figure things out and really do something that was going to be for me and and honestly, like since we, you know, moved over to command your brand, it's actually been way better because I've been able to like do a lot of what I wanted to do, have the company feel how I wanted to feel, have the company have a vision like I want to have. And it's actually it, though it's something I was resisting, you know, getting, you know, moving out of, I, I'm so happy I did um, because I wasn't going to make any more progress in that position. But I think sometimes we we get in that place where we're just kind of like, well, we were in scarcity, right? Like I don't see many options. I don't see many ways. And I actually called you in the middle of that situation. You're like, yeah. Hey bud, you know, don't, don't bail on new media, media summit, come out here, come hang out with us. And I actually really appreciated that because that was mm-hmm. one of the things that really kept me moving. And I think that's the things people have to understand because now we have some really awesome clients. Things are moving again. And you know, we're, we're actually doing better this time this year than we were this time last year. So it's, it's super exciting, man. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting, too, because as people look to pursue new outlets, whether it's podcasting or or anything for that matter, it's hard to kind of move through that initial fear. I mean, it's kind of easier. It's, you know, it's better the devil you know than the devil you don't, right? And so right. you were in a situation where you knew the devil you were dealing with, and I'm sure there was some fear around, you know, basically cutting that rope. What What would you tell people in terms of that? process is there is any helpful advice or tips or how can people know when it might be time to cut the rope on something that they're doing and then how did you get over the fear of now doing this uh, on your own just i think there's some uh you know some psychological stuff there that i think could be helpful for others absolutely it's it's funny man because i think just kind of the thing i was looking at was like how much longer can i do this to myself and that's what you really have to look at is we, you have to look at you have this own code of ethics for yourself. And one of those things on there is you can't always, you know, desire to be liked or admired because when you do, you make a lot of the wrong decisions and you can't do things because of other people. But you also have to look at all areas of your life, like this action. It's how's it going to affect me? How's it going to affect my family? How's it going to affect, you know, my personal relationships? 
And when you look at it that way and you say, wow, this really isn't greatest good for the greatest number of relationships in my life, I really need to take a look at this. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things that you have to do because I'll tell you what, man, like there, there's... I, the, the way I've looked at things has changed a lot since I was younger. When I was, when I was 19, um, I had a surgery go bad, and I actually, I actually got last rites um, that they told my parents they didn't think I was going to make it. That's a and surgery because, gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's a surgery Yikes. gone bad, and I had this whole like, out-of-body experience and everything else. And I think because of that, ever since that time, and then you know, almost losing my mom at 24, like, because of that, because I've seen how you know, fragile life is, I tend to not dwell on things a lot longer than a lot of other people. So, you know, other than my life experience, I can't say to somebody, hey, you know, go almost die. And then, you know, you'll, you'll look at that differently. But I can just say, like, for me, that strengthened me in a different way. So I tend to have a very short, I guess, fuse or, or attention span with this stuff where I get over it very quickly. Mm -hmm. But look at how it's affecting all areas of your life. And if it's not greatest good for the greatest number of areas of your life, you probably shouldn't be doing it, man. Wow. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, uh, I know it's a, a bit of a sensitive subject for you, and I appreciate you being willing to, to talk about it. And, you know, it is, well, how about this? I don't consider myself to be a mentor to you. Uh, maybe that felt like a mentor-mentee type of uh, conversation that we had. So speak to the power of bringing people then into your corner to help you bring your vision to fruition. Well, because I think that's actually super important, man, because I think a lot of times when you're seeking advice from others, it doesn't even have to be from a mentor standpoint, but just an external viewpoint from your own, because a lot of times things are like stuck on the front of our face so close that we can't see them. So we need to get somebody else's viewpoint that maybe can just look at it externally or maybe that's been there before. And I think that's really important, too. But then also one of the biggest things I've learned is like when you're trying to build a business, you can't build it with just yourself. And that's why people are so important. And scaling is really putting people in the right places, enabling them and allowing it to grow that way. So it's really important to have the right people to talk to because you can't just sit there and think about things yourself because I've done that, man, and it's not mm -hmm. fun. But you also have to have the right people around you. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let, let's shift gears then back to this whole conversation around podcasting and audio and so on. Uh, Richie has a pretty strong viewpoint on this, but what, what is, and I'm sure you guys will, will talk to the to cows come home around this once we get this ball rolling downhill so let, let me just throw this out to you what what is your take on the future of audio i'm i'm thinking that the future of audio really is just podcasting i think that's where it's going i don't know 100 percent like what that's going to look like because you mentioned before the space is growing very very quickly so i think there's kind of another like another i guess reckoning coming in for it a bit for the shows that haven't really you know, differentiate or anything like that. So I think there will be a bit of a purge coming in the future. Um, and brands that have been around for a long time will continue to be strong. But I do think as we look at things like Netflix, if we look at things like podcasting, it's becoming very oriented on the user. And that's why a lot of older mediums are kind of struggling to keep up because the user is now in control of a lot of what's happening. So I, I, I don't know a lot about where the future of it's going other than it's going into user control. Um, and that's kind of really what I see happening. Mm -hmm. Richie, you got to drop in on that? Yeah, oh, I totally understand where he's coming from. He might have not. I think, I think I heard the context you were going with a little more with the umbrella of voice over podcasting. Am I correct with that? Just audio in general, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so first off, I, I agree with Jeremy, but I, I'd add to it that voice in general – is just one of the modalities, uh, you know, Wade and I talk about this constantly, 
there's basically three modalities we communicate in and experience the world in text, imagery, and audio. And so looking at it from just fundamentally preferring the audio modality in general, podcast is something under that, right? So think of all the stuff that's going on of, of the top 10 things sold. Amazon had three of them, mm-hmm. and they were all around audio, the Dot, the Alexa, and the Fire Stick. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that's not to mention the push that Google has partnered up with Walmart to get all theirs in there because they yep. want to keep the meme alive of just Google it, yep. right? And so the, the, the elephant in the room we always talk about is discovery, discovery, discovery. And yep. part of why it's getting harder is we were mesmerized by all these screens, and now we have screens within screens we're mesmerized with mm-hmm. these apps. And so how do you find it? And there's so many more people doing it. Well, when that nut cracks and you can finally just say the phrase... Like, imagine how fast these tides will turn when it really still comes down to you have to have good stuff you're saying. Mm -hmm. If people don't connect with you with what you're saying, you're just – when someone does crack the code, you're just going to expose your crap faster and you'll Mm -hmm. lose audience faster. So so from the podcast angle, spot on. I would just add don't forget the fundamental modality of of audio in general Mm -hmm. and voice just being one of the things as human beings we use – to create it yeah. on the fly, our own instrument, don't need a microphone. Um, and our phones, like, think about that. You can distribute, produce, and create, uh, you know. You can do it all. Do it all, do it all right, right on there. your cell phone It's a plan. studio on your phone. Yeah, for sure. Any, uh, any, any thoughts around that, Jeremy? I, I couldn't agree more, actually. That's, I, I won't say the device's name because it's actually next to me, and she may think I'm talking to her. But uh, <laughs> right. we, we also have one of those in our house as well. And I, I, it's actually, I was talking to Jay Wong about this from the Interchange Maker podcast. Is he's actually getting um, portions of his show on that device as like a flash briefing, too, which is kind of interesting as well. And we had this kind of like, he's, he's in Canada, so we had this like great escape to get an American version of that device to Canada for him, which was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's the Canadian version and the American version were very different. But I, I, I do agree with you, like... The quality is really, really going to matter. And that's why I do think another purge is coming as well for some of these shows out there that just, you know, I don't know how many times somebody's tried to recreate, like, let's say what John Lee Dumas has done and, exa- and ask the exact same questions. It's just, it's not different. It's not special. It's not unique. Especially and- when we can't listen to his anymore. <laughs> like- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't say it. You did, but... <laughs> I would have just went with the three initials. I'm not going to disagree, man. I'm not going to disagree. Nothing against him. Nothing against him. It's just the format, right? Mm -hmm. Times change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. So let me me, me ask you this then. If if someone at this juncture is, uh, again, thinking about getting into this arena, Hard and fast rules for 2018. What? What? uh, I know you talked about doing something unique. But is it is is it a name thing? Is it uh, is it as a subcategory? Like any any sort of ninja like tactics that you're teaching your uh, your clients right now around getting into the world of podcasting? Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. I'd like to say there's like you know kind of a, a one size fits all or ninja tactics on it, but it really comes back down to brand building. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at why reinvention radios around, if you look at why the school of greatness is around. 
and you know create your own life is around there's been a brand built around it mm-hmm. and there's like a lot of these shows that are just like all right, i'm gonna pump out as many shows as i can possible and then i'm gonna try and get advertisers like great well you're not gonna man it's it's about building a brand having good content being in multiple places you know getting into publications writing blog posts so there's no easy way about it other than creating lots and lots of content but now if you're a podcaster let's let's look at it this way you can also repurpose a lot of this content like if you look at some of the articles I've written on some of the, the tier one websites, like they're actually portions of transcripts that I've used as ways to write those articles. So there's also mm-hmm. ways to use a lot of these interviews you're doing in different places to be in more places, because if you're not building a solid brand, you're going to get washed away. Mm-hmm. Like you need to build something that stands for something, something recognizable and also something cohesive. You know what I mean? It needs to feel the same everywhere it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as far as create your own life is concerned, as far as your show is concerned, uh, what what are some of your plans around building listenership and, and building that brand in, in this coming year? In this coming year, I'm trying to interview people mainly that have built million-dollar businesses. So I, I know we're having you on the show um, not too far out in the next uh, few weeks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really trying to look at the caliber because I've had some awesome people on the show, but I really want to hold strong, fast, and true to that. And actually, towards the end of last year, um, we spent quite a bit of money, um, you know, several thousand dollars on a branding package to really make everything we're doing look cohesive, look great. Um, and I've just collected media all over the place and writing all over the place. So I'm not really going to do anything that much different this year and continue to consistently do that stuff. But also I'm raising the bar on who we talk to. Um, so it's, you know, just not going to be as easy as it was to get on the show. Mm -hmm. So do you, do you think you have to rebrand then at that point or can you, because obviously you've got a lot of SEO juice and you've got your subscribers and your, your fans and so on. If you're changing lanes like that, I mean, it would almost sound like the messaging would would change, right? Because now if you're only interviewing people who have earned more than a million bucks or those sort of things, I mean, that's that's very different, right? Just in terms of messaging, in terms of branding from what you've been doing where you've had people from, from all walks on the show, which is, you know, I mean, it's neither right nor wrong, but it is mm-hmm. definitely a very different approach than what you've taken through, you know, 300 and whatever, 50-odd shows already. So... Do you need your own rebrand? I I don't think so because let's look at it this way, man. Like brands grow and brands mature, and this is kind of the direction where it's going. And the reason I'm actually doing that is a lot of my listeners had said have sent me emails and and stuff like that and said, you know, hey man, we want more of this. Mm -hmm. We want more people like this. So it's not really that. It's just catering to the people more that are listening to me, um, and and not deciding that I want to tell them what they want. So it's really just a brand maturation and listening to the people actually listening to me. Yeah, it, it seems like it's a, a balancing act of kind of not – I'm going to curse the little red E is on our show. It's so already on. It's a little bit of the subtle art of not giving a fuck, to quote the book, and totally giving a fuck, right? Like totally caring what people think and not caring what people think seem to be the balancing act, right? Mm-hmm. You, you have to stay true to what the message for your show is, but it's a co-creation with your listeners. Otherwise, you might be that, you know – Tree that falls and no one hears, and no one hears it. So it didn't fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's so true, though, because then there's nobody to listen to you if you're not. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, and so when you're doing this, it's almost like Gary V, like not that it's his style or anything, but I, the concept of creating a personal brand and a business brand 
at the same time gives you an out because if you roll out a new business, your personal brand still stayed there. And say you 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 were only going to roll out on your book, and every bit of your energy went in your book, and your book's a flop. You got to start all over. But if you have mm-hmm. things separate, and you kind of like how like, again, not yeah. trying to copy Gary Vee, but do it like that. Then yeah. you know you can roll out new businesses all the time, no big sure. deal, and kind of bounce your audience from each one back to the other thing. Help mm-hmm. build your personal brand even more. Well, I think that's the biggest thing, though, because this personal brand, and this is, that's actually that's a great point because that's something I've been saying for a while, is like a personal brand is something that if you keep building it, you're always going to have, right? Like whether you sell your business, whether you close your business, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you always have that personal brand. So you always have something for yourself. And that's why, you know, influence sells, man. You can always put ju- your influence juice behind whatever it is you're doing and actually push it out there a little bit more. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to uh, wrap here in just uh, just a couple of minutes, but I want to make sure that uh, we give you a chance, first and foremost, to tell people how to find out more information about you. So where where, where do you want folks to go? Absolutely. Well, anything um, on the personal brand side is over at jeremyryanslate.com, or anything on the business side is over at commandyourbrand.media. And your show is Create Your Own Life, so definitely check that podcast out. Uh, and then I just wanted to give you a little bit of time here just to speak to your experience uh, in attending the New Media Summit. I know you were on the fence, but you actually, you know, you were able to make it work. You came. So I wanted to give you a minute just to talk about your experience of attending the New Media Summit. And would you recommend that others come to it? Well, let me say first and foremost, nobody puts on an event like Steve Ulsher. Ah. Um, this guy right? feeds us. How awesome was that? Um, I've never been to an event where somebody actually feeds you. So that was a huge plus, Steve. <laughs> and it was um, good. But the, and it was, it good. was good food, right? Yeah, right. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, but well, the, good. the group of the group of people you put together were incredible. The podcasters were incredible, and it it just was this really really awesome event. And you know, I feel like I've made a lot of friends that I still have from it. Mm-hmm. So even as someone who is in the industry as an icon in your own right, uh, did you benefit in in intangible ways from being there? Absolutely. I, I, I made a lot of friendships that I'm actually now doing business with um, on the podcaster side. Like we have some products we're working on together because I met them at your event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that is awesome. And for those who are thinking about coming to the new media summit in April, what would you uh, what would you tell them? I would tell them to go check it out, man, and get over there. All right. Well, fair enough. All right, my friend, really do uh, appreciate you coming and hanging out with us here on Reinvention Radio. So definitely check out all that Jeremy Ryan Slate is up to and uh, for sure check out that podcast. Well, covered a lot of ground there, Mary Goulet. Covered a lot of ground there, Rich yeah, Ote. awesome. And, uh, and any last-minute uh, thoughts around podcasting and using it to market and brand or any, any final thoughts around that, you lovely people? Well, for me, I would say... Do what really lights you on fire. Have your topic be something that's totally inspiring to you. Oh, not literally lights you on fire. You like an <laughs> oh, internal that's fire talk. Yeah, yeah we're right? talking about fire. Yeah. So, okay, cool, Richie. No, I'd stick and move. Make it easy, then make it better. Just keep keep on plugging away. We're living in a day and age that's you're guilty till proven innocent. So you might as well have a platform that you stake what your flag is. Yeah, and Wade, I know you wanted to chime in on this as well. Make an effort to not suck. <laughs> right spoken like a true listen, like a true scholar record your podcast and listen to it before you put it out there record it listen, listen to, to it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah you might think you're just rocking it and then you listen and go oh my gosh that, i paused yeah. too long or i didn't i will say one of the main things that i took away from all of that is uh just jeremy's honesty around the first show that he did 
you know, just knowing that it was really bad and just, but not quitting and giving it another go and staying in the game. So someone uh, much wiser than me once said version one is better than version none, right? So there you have it. And uh, well, really appreciate you being on the show with us, JR. And uh, again, check out everything that Jeremy Ryan Slate is up to. And for Mary Goulet, Rich Otay, White Wade, and Kelly Polker, I'm Steve Olsher. Talk to you next time here on Reinvention Radio. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to thereinventionworkshop.com today. That's thereinventionworkshop.com.